Welcome to the Shine Within Podcast. I'm your host, Gina Kunarian, and I am so grateful that you are here. I'm a wife, mother of three boys, certified massage therapist, and an alcohol-free sobriety coach who helps driven women break through their alcohol dependency without the traditional 12-step program. Each week, I will bring you inspiring guests with focus on mindset, health, and spirituality, providing you the tips and tools to help you create unshakable confidence, clarity, and energy so you can unleash your creative potential and live the life of your dreams alcohol-free. So tune in for some fun, and if you are ready to shine, welcome. Hello, lovely listeners. If you're finding value in what you're hearing today, make sure to head over to the show notes. Not only will you find more details on today's topic, but you'll also get an exclusive invitation to join my free Facebook group, Awakened Souls. This community is perfect for women who are either super curious or currently journeying through recovery. Being part of Awakened Souls offers a supportive environment where you can connect with like-minded women, all working towards an alcohol-free lifestyle. Plus... There are special free gifts waiting inside the show notes, (laughs) curated specifically to empower and assist you on your journey. And if you're loving the content, I'd be so grateful if you take a moment to rate this podcast. Your feedback helps me continue bringing you the conversations and insights you love. Let's keep the momentum going. And remember, you are not alone on this journey. I am here to help you every step of the way. In today's episode, we're joined by a truly inspiring guest, Romy Morsner. From her journey through the shadows of addiction to finding the alchemical light within her pain, Romy's story is a testament to the resilience of the human spirit and the transformative power of self-worth. Whether you're navigating personal struggles or seeking a dose of motivation, this episode promises to touch your heart and remind you of the innate value within all of us. Without further ado, let's dive right in. Welcome back to the Shine Within podcast. I have here Romy Mershner bringing with her over 10 years of professional expertise is fervently dedicated to guiding individuals towards personal evolution, healing, and spiritual progress. Compassionate at her core, she combines her vast knowledge with her own transformative journey as a recovered alcoholic, understanding deeply the intricate challenges faced by many she serves. Under the pseudonym Isla Stone, Romy penned the international award-winning memoir, The Art of Determination. Beyond her professional pursuit, she cherishes moments spent on artistic endeavors, hikes in nature, and building bonds with friends. Thank you so much for joining me today, Romy. I love your name, and I think I mentioned this before. It reminds me of one of my favorite movies, Romy and Michelle's High School Reunion. That was from the 90s, and I love that. So I won't forget your name, (laughs) but thank Thank you so much for joining me. Of course, of course. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I I just want to go and talk about your beautiful story. Uh, when you told me your story, it touched my heart. I was like almost in tears, but then I had so much joy. I had all these different emotions going on and I'm like, wow, this is amazing. And if you can just share your testimony, I would totally appreciate it. I grew up in a home with a lot of uh, difficulty, a lot of trauma. Uh, my mom married three different men and in those relationships, uh, there was a lot of abuse um, and and alcoholism as well. I've experienced um, recently when I was sitting on my 
couch outside. Uh, someone phoned me and I realized it was the man who molested me when I was four. It was two weeks ago. And this brought up a lot of things for me around uh, guilt and shame. And I realized how guilt and shame has really had a huge impact on everything that I do, especially with an anxiety disorder that I have. It was really nice to sort of look back at all of that um, in, the, in a way that I did. It was very traumatic hearing from him. I didn't anticipate to hear from him because he, he was a family member and I hadn't heard from him in over 30 years. So that's sort of where the story starts. I think it had a huge impact on me in terms of how I perceived myself in the world and how I was, how I expressed myself because I stopped expressing myself properly. I still have difficulty expressing myself. Later on, when I was in high school, the man that my mom had married uh, was a very abusive man. So he has diagnosed with narcissism and it was very difficult. My mom was also had narcissistic tendencies. So my relationship with her was very difficult. And so this abuse had had, had a huge impact on me um, going forward. And as I sort of grew up and I started trying to find myself in the world, I started drinking and using drugs because the drugs helped me to, to hide from the pain that I was experiencing. And I constantly felt like I was doing something wrong or there was something wrong with me, uh, especially in the family dynamic as well. And sort of what was highlighted for me later on was that I am a little bit of the scape. I, I used to be the scapegoat of the family where I was blamed for talking up, for saying things, for, for standing up against certain things that I felt was unfair. And I can be very stubborn uh, in my beliefs and how I feel about things. When I finally decided that the drinking wasn't working for me, I, I went through a lot of relationships during that time, which were very toxic. I, I used drugs and I used alcohol, but the alcohol was, that, was the thing that pushed me into recovery. When I finally decided to get into recovery, I was 27. And it was on my 27th birthday that I walked into the rehab and, and decided to to do something about the problem that I had. I didn't realize what the problems were though. I just knew that I was in pain and that I was using drugs and drinking and that that wasn't working anymore. It worked for a while, but it didn't work anymore. So I got into uh, recovery, I went to AA meetings, uh, I worked on the 12-step program and throughout that process, I started healing and <clears throat> some of the things that came up for me in my recovery was very a daydreamer right so dreaming about things and and not really living anchored in reality and at times I felt like my body wasn't I wasn't in my body because of all that trauma I, I was never really truly connected to myself in my second year of recovery I found out that I was sexually I didn't find out it was a, a memory that was dislodged for me uh, during through the healing that I was sexually molested by my stepfather as well and so that had a huge impact because then I, I spoke to my mom. I, I went to her. I said, okay, this is what happened. And the ex I had an expectation of how she should react. I had an expectation of how she should be um, protecting me, telling me it was okay, telling me um, that she would, you know, that we could do something about it. But what happened was that I was 
sort of pushed aside and and I wasn't allowed to go home. I wasn't allowed to see my family. I, I was basically separated from the family and it was bl I was blamed for opening my mouth and revealing the family secrets. That is sort of what had happened at that point. My brother was very young and I I wanted to see him, but I wasn't allowed to. And I went through a phase where I had to realize that I could stand on my own two feet, that I was capable of standing on my own two feet. Before that, I had a safety net. I had a safety net of family and financial stability in particular, because despite the fact that I grew up in such an abusive home, there was money. And I think a lot of the times people think that if you come from a home with a lot of money, that it's it's a wonderful space and you're going to be happy, but money was always used as a love tool. So if you do give something to me, I will give this to you. And so that also had a huge impact on how I perceived money. Then sort of started working in a halfway house. Uh, I was a, a manager and I worked with, with addicts and alcoholics. And it was very good. For, it was a good experience for me to learn that I was capable of standing on my own two feet and being able to to help other people with what I had experienced so it gave me more hope it gave me hope for the fact that all of those things had happened and so much of it so many things had happened that I could say okay life isn't that bad life can be beautiful rejection the ultimate abandonment and as a child I had experienced a lot of abandonment myself my my, my dad was kept away from me when I was a child and um, my mom had a relationship with my my dad's father and that dynamic wasn't uh yeah they kept my dad was kept away from me so abandonment was a big issue and obviously a big shock when my mom decided to take her own life and the reason for it to be was because she couldn't get out of the relationship with my stepfather uh, because of financial reasons and because she had um, a son with him, but also because of all the failures she felt she had sort of the, the failure of a mother she felt she was. And I didn't think that she was much of failure. You know, all of us make mistakes. And it was very hard to experience that loss where she just left us. After that, I was working with my stepfather still. I still allowed him in my space. And one day I snapped and I approached him and I and I had a, a big serious conversation to, to him about why my mom passed away and about our childhood because he, being a narcissist, lived in a very sort of like in a psychosis where his reality is completely different to the reality of ours. It's a completely, it's separated from, from reality. And so after that, he, he fired me and I decided to go on my own and to publish my book. So I published my book in 2020. And, and that was a, one of the biggest achievements I can say that I, that I've had in my life that I've done. Historically, I've never been someone who, who could achieve a lot of things or who felt they deserved to achieve a lot of things. It was very hard to connect myself with my abilities and what I was capable of doing. And growing in the last three years, I realized that I'm incredibly capable of 
helping people and doing things. I think the biggest thing that I want to carry through from all of this, and I've, I've thought a lot about it, obviously, because I've been living this life, you know, that I've had, is that it's a, a beautiful artistic expression of spirituality. It's of life. Life isn't easy. You know, I, I sat a lot of times thinking, why is this happening to me? What, did I, why do I deserve to go through all of this hardship and difficulty? I am a lot more resilient as a human being today than I ever was back then. You know, there were times that I really struggled with intrusive thoughts of hurting myself and, and cutting myself and all kinds of things, even during recovery because of all of those traumatic events. But slowly but surely I have been healing. And I, today I am not in the place that I used to be. I still struggle. I still have my moments, I still get panicky, but I'm definitely a lot further along than what I used to be. And I'm very resilient. I can take any punch, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's basically where I decided that I wanted to be working the spiritual realm. The spirituality is very important to me. I enjoy spirituality. I enjoy connecting with God and the higher power because that sort of makes me feel a lot more grounded in a, in a strange kind of way. And the one thing that I'd learned about in recovery was that the more dependent I am on a higher power, the more independent I become. And that's very true, you know, because the more I just release and surrender because I'm a control freak and I want to control everything, the more I surrender the easier it is for me just to be at ease and to be okay and to make the right choices rather than following an idea that doesn't always work out you know yeah. the other thing that brought me to spirituality and the reason it's so important to me was after my mom had passed away it was almost like a veil was lifted for me so I could see to the other side I remember sitting outside with some friends after my mom's passing and this butterfly fell and I could pick it up and I put it on my finger and it sat there for half an hour. It just sat on my finger. It's the first time I've ever touched a butterfly. It was the, ever, it, the first time I've ever been able to hold onto, well, I mean, I didn't hold onto it, but it sat on my finger yeah. and I've got photos of that. Then later on, because it was so difficult for me to get my mind around my mom's passing, I went to see a psychic medium. And what the woman said to me had made a lot of sense. And she managed to push to, to give me some truths that even I wasn't entirely aware of uh, that I was doing. So she said to me that I opened the fridge and every time I open the fridge, my mom sees that I tap the photo of her on the fridge. And then I close the fridge so it was something I was doing subconsciously but what the medium had told me I was doing which made a lot which sort of sparked that sense of recognition was that I was actually doing that so I got I got a lot of peace seeing a psychic medium because if had I not gone I don't think I would be here today because of how difficult it was for me to get my mind around my mom's passing so after that, I asked her, you know, how can I increase my spirituality? It's something that I've always had such fascination with. I, I've always 
gotten books around hands-on healing and, and that type of thing, but I could never see auras. And it was really so, something interesting to me. And she referred me to a, a woman that teaches Reiki. And I went and I did Reiki classes and I did color therapy and transpersonal numerology and tarot readings, uh, tarot cards. And after that, my connection really sort of improved. And I was able to move more into that psychic medium space where I do have these psychic medium experiences where I can talk to people from past on loved ones, but also mostly psychic. And I think my speciality really is being able to help people to identify things that they don't always see and not in a harsh way or a negative way, but rather just work helping them find the patterns that they stuck with, the patterning, because the patterns are the worst things to get, it, those are the loops, those are the difficult things to break. It's not to say I've broken all my patterns, believe me, I'm still in my patterning at certain times, but just being aware of it, developing an awareness of patterns really assists us in in, in getting, a, in moving forward and being able to to heal from from a lot of trauma and difficulty. Wow. Wow, thank you so much for sharing your story and my condolences. I, I I can't imagine what it feels like to actually lose uh my a mother. And my father had passed away when I was a baby. So I I so I was too young to know what that feeling is of losing your parents. So thank you so much for being vulnerable and just sharing your story. And you and I actually have a lot of similarity. I was also molested as a child. And then I always felt like I didn't belong to this world, like something was missing. And I turned to alcohol and drugs and was just using because I wanted to numb myself because I felt like I couldn't fit in with everybody around around me because everyone, I just felt different. Something was wrong. Like I was like the black sheep of the family. I felt like anyway, everyone else was doing their own thing, but I was I was rebellious. I was the one with the piercings, the tattoos, going to raves and partying, sneaking out. None of my other siblings have ever done that. They're a lot older than me also, but still, I don't think it's a generation thing. I think, you know, it was just a me thing. <laughs> and, but you brought up a lot of good points about surrendering. Mm. I think that is a really big, a big start to your to anybody's like recovery because you have to surrender and be like you know what this is what I did I was in the back of my car I was actually in not the back of my car I was in the front seat of my car in a parking lot I had already gotten like liquor and some coca-cola and what I would normally do is pour out some of the cola put the liquor of vodka inside shake it and then you know, that would be wow. my drink Behind me, I used to have these plastic bags that I would have to throw up in just in case because I didn't like the taste of it anymore, but my body needed it in order for me to function, to drive, to do anything. And I remember like it was raining that day, kind of like it is right now right? over here in California, it's starting to rain. And my. yeah, and I was crying and crying and crying. And, you know, I wasn't really spiritual or religious at the time. And I was just like, God, I cannot live like this anymore please help me. I can't live like this anymore. And then after that had happened about two weeks later, I was hospitalized for uh, pancreatitis and I was there then having to make a choice. Like, okay, do I want to live or die? And that's when I decided, okay, I'm going to live because I want to love myself. <laughs> I want to learn mm -hmm. to love myself. And I think that is the biggest key. 
What have you experienced in your recovery when it comes to self-love? I think the the biggest thing is the acceptance, is acceptance of who I am and my experiences. Because talking about it, and like I said, especially after my uncle phoned me two weeks ago, I think I had still, I had blamed myself deeply because it happened to me when I was four, the molestation. I blamed myself deeply for that. And despite all the work that I had done before the, before now recently, I've done a lot of work on guilt and shame and, and, and self-care. <clears throat> but that one little seed that was planted when I was small was so big, but I didn't see it because I'd been living with it for such a long time. So I think in terms of self-love and self-care, it's doing the hard things. It's looking at the things that make you feel like you want to cringe, that that those difficult, dark emotions that you've avoided for a very long time. And I think that you heal that over a period of time. I don't think that I would have been capable of healing that then, right? 10 years ago, I'm capable of healing it now because now I'm willing to, I'm, 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 I'm courageous enough to look at it because it's, it's stripped my innocence right it strips your innocence from you and so you believe your innocence have been, has been stripped but actually it's never been gone it just felt like someone had taken that away mm-hmm. and I think for me doing the self-care work is is the simple things it's the the cleaning the shaving your legs the brushing your teeth the having a bath the putting on masks and and facial care and all of that but it is also giving myself permission to do things that I've never done before because I felt like I was not worthy of it so to me those are the deep acts of of self-love is giving myself permission I'm giving myself permission to see my innocence. I'm giving myself permission to go out there and tell my story. I'm giving myself permission. That is key to give yourself permission. And I remember even in my, when I'm a part of this coaching for a business and that's what they had us do. They, they, we had to give ourselves permission, sign like a certificate. Like I give myself permission to do this program, to embrace it and just to give our best to it. So I, I agree with the giving yourself permission. And I think everyone should do a little certificate, you know, make a little contract with yourself and give yourself that permission to do, to learn about yourself. Yeah. And I think the self-discovery is very important because you are discovering your gifts. I feel like right now I'm discovering my gifts. I'm getting into spirituality and I'm discovering that I have uh, so, some abilities too, but these are things that we've always had. Apparently <laughs> we just never tapped into it and perhaps that's why we never I well at least for me never really felt like I fit into this world because there was something that was different and I feel that a lot of people that have the most that go through the most pain have the most purpose in life Mm. what do you feel your purpose is today you know I think my mission is to to help people with those things that have happened to me you know that's why I do the work that I do. I'm a holistic counselor and I help people through different difficulties. If I look back at my life, I mean, I hardly 
sort of scratch the surface talking to you about the things that had happened because I just, you know, I categorize them, but you don't talk about the emotions. And if I look at all of those things that had happened, I I managed to find ways and means for me to, to get through it. But every person is different and every person is going to deal with things differently. So all I'm basically saying is, yes, life can be unfair and hard, right? Life can be very difficult, but at the same time, there is so much beauty and so much that you can offer yourself because we we look to others to offer it to us. But actually, we off, we can give ourselves permission. We can do things that we've always wanted to do. We can be the be the person that we've always wanted to be. It's never too late to follow your purpose or your your call. You know, it's, it's true, life it is. is a journey. Yeah, that's what it is. And everybody's journey is different. Like you said, you know, everyone's going to go through different emotions, different situations, and have different encouragement. <laughs> you know, so we have to look at things differently amongst others. Now, how do you help uh, your clients when they come to you? So I've got a program, a, a recovery-based program that people can do with me, which has been very successful. Um, and I've seen quite a lot of improvements in my clients. I also do one-on-one -on -one counseling sessions and I help them through, you know, it's just counseling. It's not psychotherapy or anything. It's it's really just uh, facilitating the the growth of that person helping them as a sounding board and then at the same time I run group therapy so the groups in the space that I have um, is very intimate and, and close and those people I think the most important thing for addiction uh, addictions or even anxiety or depression is connection we I, I know what I tend to do is isolate and I pull myself back and I sit in my room and I get anxious but really when I go out there and I talk to people I connect and I feel so much better because I'm not in my head the whole time I'm not having crazy uh, catastrophizing thoughts going through my head you know and connection is all about having fun and laughing and being lighter because we we are so heavy and I think now in this day and age we are very very heavy with stuff you know, with all that energy of the hip of past experiences or just with the way the world is going at the moment, everyone is feeling this heaviness. So searching for that lightness and laughter and connection and just just being, finding ways of being. Yes. And you're you're absolutely right about the community part because I remember when I was going through it in one of my episodes and I tried to commit suicide. And because I did that, I was sent to uh, an inpatient hospital. And during my time there, I was like three days or so. It was just nice having a roommate inside my room, just someone to talk to, even though the mm -hmm. other people I didn't really want to associate with. <laughs> it was very interesting over there. Let's just say that. Um, but the ones that I did connect with, I, I, I appreciate that. And then once I got into uh, outpatient, it was more like a group setting where we were all discussing our our stories, what we're experiencing, our anxieties, our depressions, our all of our mental issues, I think, at that time. And yes. it felt so nice to connect with a certain amount of people because I remember me and a group of ladies would go out during our break and we would do like prayer circle, you know, just, just us 
four or whatever. And then just being that connect, having that con that connectiveness and just, you feel so much better because you feel like, wow, okay, I don't feel alone. I'm not by myself in this process. Cause like you said, I, I tended to isolate as well. And during my isolation, that's when I got into my head. Like my head wasn't my best friend like it is now. My In my head, it was the enemy speaking to me, telling me I'm no good, telling me I'm by myself, telling me I'm never going to get through it. The addiction really wants you to die. And it's not going to stop until it gets to that point. I feel anyway, because that's what happened. I had multiple times that I almost died. And so I think the community is very important. And during this time that we have here on earth right now, People need that. People need that community. And I think like through Zoom, like, because you're all the way in South Africa, right? Yes, I'm in South Africa. Yeah, and then like Zoom gives us the opportunity to speak right now because I'm in the US, you're in South Africa, completely different continents, but yet we're connecting. And I think that's a beautiful thing. And I believe we're in the path to that collective consciousness where we are becoming one and learning about who we truly are as a spiritual being. Now, I want to talk a little bit more about the spiritual aspects because, like I said, I never grew up spiritual or religious. But when in my recovery, I first thing I went to was to Jesus. And I felt like, okay, you know, uh, let's try this Christianity thing. But then I've learned that there's so much more than just that, you know, <laughs> there's it goes way deep. Can you talk about how you discovered your spiritual gifts? Have you discovered for yourself that you're like, oh, wow, I I can actually, I am a psychic. I, uh, I'm a medium. What, what did you experience? So I've always been very spiritual. As a child, I was always praying and uh, always believed in God and I've always had this sort of connection, but I was, I think at that time, very disconnected from myself because I had trauma experience. I, I was surviving. I was in a survival mode. And so over the years, it would always been just that connection with God. Uh, I was sent to, in, in, in South Africa, we've got the Enchia Church. I was sent to the Enchia Church when I was younger, and that did a lot of damage because when you're seven years old and you walk into church and they say, you better not sin, otherwise you're going to hell. Um, and the rapture, if, when people disappear on the planet during the rapture and you're left behind, you, you're a sinner, right? So I was seven when they spoke about stuff like that, about the rapture and all of that. And it had a huge impact on me and that guilt and that shame of I've done something wrong. And I walked around with, I've done something wrong uh, uh, the majority of my life. So I, I tended to stay away from church or Christianity after that, realizing that I didn't want God to feel that scary to me. And I didn't want to feel like I was a bad person the whole time. So I pray and I write letters to God in my inner, you know, as a as 11 or 12 in my diary and, then at around 16, I had uh, this existential crisis where I just couldn't understand why God would let anyone suffer. At that point, I didn't even look at my own suffering because I didn't realize I, I had suffered. 
you know, when you're a child and you're living in a certain place, you don't realize there's trauma. But I've I thought about how people were starving in Africa and the rest of the African continents or the wars that were happening. And I just couldn't get myself to understand why God would allow that. And so for a, a long period of time, up until a year before my recovery started, I was atheist or I believed I was atheist. And I met this man and his mother was a, sort of like a witchy lady and she was into doing spells and things. And I started sort of getting, not involved in it, but understanding it and, and, and look, and I liked the idea of it, the magic, you know, the ability to create magic, the ability to con connect with God and, and, and co-create. And during that time, the secret came out, or the secret had come out a couple of years before that, but I had been fascinated with the idea of manifestation. And so I think that was really where that root focus for me was, was being able to co-create with God. And that was such a, a big thing for me. So during recovery, I connected and I realized, okay, I can choose how I want God to look like and be for me. Um, I can feel safe in this sort of space where I connect with my higher power. And I had this moment, I would say it was like a spiritual awakening, I think two or three months into my recovery where I was driving. There was nothing special happening at all. It was just me driving from point A to point B on the highway in Johannesburg. And all of a sudden I had this moment of gratitude where I felt gratitude. And I sat there crying and feeling gratitude not knowing why i'm feeling gratitude but it was the feeling that i had never had so i'd never had the feeling of gratitude and so i felt it and there was color all around me because i realized that for the five years that i was in heavy addiction i had suppressed all of the color in my life i had i had I, I'd, I'd seen in black and white that's what I've done to myself because, you know, when you numb the, the negative emotions, you also numb the positive ones. So I had this moment of gratitude and feeling it. And then I realized how emotional I truly am. And that emotion is what connects me to God. So I'm very somatic in how I feel things or how I understand things. And later on, after my mom had passed away and I sort of started developing my, my gifts a little bit more, it happened gradually. It didn't happen in a moment. It happened over a period of time. So I studied the Reiki and I studied the color therapy. And I realized that actually my intuition was quite on point all of most of the time. I just didn't realize it was my intuition. I just developed an awareness of my intuition. Whereas before it was just, I just knew things and I didn't know how I knew things. So then developing that awareness and then I also had a friend who th that psychic medium that I saw then was someone that I had developed a friendship with and over a period of time she would constantly say but Romy you are a psychic medium and I didn't really think so but I knew I was psychic I didn't think I was medium and so in the beginning of this year no it actually wasn't the beginning of this year sorry I'm jumping around I was doing Reiki on someone one day and a passed on loved one came through mm. and I just thought that was normal for Reiki. Mm. I just thought, okay, that's normal. 
but actually that's the the, me, the medium part is that I was connecting with with a past on loved ones so it took me some time to develop the awareness that I was able to do it because I couldn't believe that I could do it right so then in the beginning of this year I, I truly accepted okay I can do it and and yeah, I do it. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah, that is so awesome. I mean, yeah, to have to understand that you have these gifts and then gradually are like doing it. And that's where I'm at right now. Um, I had spoken to a psychic medium and she also does the Akashic Records. She also does angel reading and she also does animal animal readings too <laughs> yes and she I I love her so much and uh, she's she's such a sweetheart and so she actually did my Akashic records and we her and I had a one-on-one -on -one together and she says do you know that you're telepathic I said I said oh, wow. I thought so <laughs> she said, well, I thought so <laughs> because like I can just like read people like and they don't have to say anything I just like I already know what they're thinking <laughs> and it's it's bad because like I can catch them when they're like kind of like fibbing to me, you know, because I'm just like, okay, <laughs> you know, whatever you say. But deep down, I'm like, no, that's not right. <laughs> and so um, that's where I'm at with the learning about the gifts that I have. And it's very interesting. And I'm just very fascinated by the whole concept of being psychic and, you know, having these gifts. I don't, they, she didn't say I was a medium and I have not had any connections, but it's interesting because my mom, had mentioned to me that her grandmother use is was a witch and oh. that yeah <laughs> I don't know for uh, probably for good for good I mean not she didn't do any like evil it depends on the intention really what it comes down uh -huh. to she didn't have bad intention but she was that and so my my mom has these psychic abilities but she's actually able to talk to the like the dead kind of but she can see them as well and I'm like okay. well thank goodness I don't see them because I'd be terrified I think you know uh I mean for me but I I can hear I can hear different uh dimensions it's I'll tell you a story one time I was coming home from work because I do massage therapy and so I was very tired I get energetically drained and so I first thing I do is I come home and shower <laughs> just to get just to wash and cleanse myself yeah. of course and so but I thought I heard my husband saying Gina come down you know and I was talking like oh I'm gonna take a shower right now um, and I was kind of like perturbed because I'm like, well, why would he want me to come down when he knows I'm tired and wanted to take a shower I'm thinking he wants me to do something for him and so I come down kind of like cranky and then he's like, well, just with a bad look on my face. And he's like, he's, I, he's like, what's wrong? I said, well, why did you want me to come down? He's like, I didn't. I said, you didn't say anything. So no, I'm like, oh, oh <laughs> that must be the other Victor from a different dimension. <laughs> and so I don't know. I, I hear things like, but they're not actually going on. And even like my cat who was missing, like I heard him sneeze. He has this particular sneeze and he sneezed, but he's nowhere to be found. But the funny thing is my husband heard that too. So I was like, okay, maybe it's not just me. <laughs> so it was very interesting. Yeah. But anyway, I thought I'd just share that with you. Um, but going back to what you're doing by helping people and you've written a, a memoir. Again, can you share a little bit about your memoir and where we, we can actually find it? So I wrote the memoir with... 
I, I like journaling. I like writing. So in the beginning of my recovery, I started journaling from 2012. And then I sort of stopped the book at 2018 after just with my mom's passing. And I thought, okay, I'd write the next chapter after that. So I took those diary entries and I sort of just, it was interesting to me to see how my mind had healed over a period of time because the insanity that was written in the beginning is not the same as, as six years later. I think it was six years. So I took that, those diary entries and then I wrote around it. I made sense of it, you know, and I just spoke about my, my own experiences around my um, difficulties in relationships, difficulties in, in, uh, myself had and uh, and I think the biggest thing for me what I had discovered through writing that that memoir was that I'm my worst enemy you know because of those things that had happened my mind had taken on a lot of that stuff and I've been self-sabotaging I must that's one of the things that I, I did quite consistently was just hurting myself and 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 damaging myself in the way that I thought so the journey has always been to rectify my thought patterns, to rectify the way I perceive myself and to rectify the way I express myself. So the journey, the, the writing of it was very cathartic. It was a good experience. It was like a big vomit, excuse the, the language, but it was really like I just let it all out. And I published it through Balboa Press in uh, the U.S., uh, which is a division of Hay House. So it is available on, yeah, it's available on Amazon, it's online and, and also on Balbo, from Balboa Press. Nice. Yes, and it's a self-published book. Oh yeah, and so I was going to also ask, you know, are there any other resources or books or even individuals that inspired or helped you along this journey? Oh, yes, definitely. It was, uh, I think Louise Hay was a big one. Louise Hay was a big inspiration for me, was one of the first books that I read that I realized, okay, there's more going on here than meets the eye. And then Abraham Hicks or Esther Hicks, you know, that was a very big inspiration for me in the beginning, as well as Dr. Wayne Bayer. And then sort of later on, Conversations with God, um there's just so many different books out there that that is helpful but I would say the big initial thing that pushed me into this space was Louise Hay it's definitely someone I would have loved to have met had she still been alive today yeah that's awesome that we have you know certain books and you know certain people that we look up to so it is very important and just to even model what they what they've been through <clears throat> their experiences and I'm sure you do the same for your clients as well. So I wanted to ask you also this. So how do you stay motivated and committed to your purpose, especially on those challenging days? Because we we all have those challenging days where we're just like, oh, I can't take it. You know, even if we're feeling, even though we're not using or drinking, we still have challenging days. <laughs> so what do you do? You know, I think they are going, they're going to be days where you just don't feel like you want to get out of bed, right? Mm -hmm. There are those days. And I've learned not to fight myself when I'm in a space where I feel very tired or or drained or or fearful. I can't 
push myself through it. I've got to move through the emotions. So how I stay motivated is just <laughs> sheer resilience. It's, it's this feeling in me that I cannot stop. It's a stubbornness. And looking after myself, like exercise, running, um, yoga, hiking, doing things that I enjoy, that I love to do, to stay to stay aligned and, and motivated. But I think the biggest thing that keeps me motivated is my connection to spirit. Mm -hmm. Because no one is going to come to me and say everything's going to be okay. I've got to do that for myself. And so my connection with spirit is very important because that is what keeps me going. That's what keeps me pushing forward and, and focused on my dream. Because I know that we all have destiny. We all have a purpose. And so whatever that purpose looks like to me, whether, you know, I, I don't know what it looks like, but I do know what I feel the direction is that I need to move into. And it takes time for that clarity to come. I didn't know that 10, 10 years ago, but I know it now. Yeah. So I think the motivation really is just connection with, with spirits and, and looking after yourself. Self-care is really, really important. Absolutely. And you answered my next question was, which was, is there anything that you'd wish you would have known earlier or done differently on your journey? So is there anything else you want to add on to that? Or I don't think there's anything I would have done differently. You know, I, I think I would worry less, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know if there's anything I would have done differently because the life that I have, the the history, the the thing I can look back on and, and and perceive as a beautiful piece of art, and also looking forward, you know, it gives me motivation and clarity for where I want to go in the future. It's changing the perspective, you know, is changing the perspective of it was a really bad experience to actually there was so much beauty in it too. There's beauty in everything, even the bad, you know, that's why we have to go through the dark so we can see the light and you know i i agree with you i don't think i would have changed anything even the whole molestation i because it's who it's who i am <laughs> i i chose this experience so on purpose for the so i can have purpose in life to help others who are either of going through the same thing or who have gone through it as well now what is next for you romi is there anything that you're going to be doing any projects in the future you know speaking out a little bit more talking to people and telling my story I think that's one of the things that I've avoided for a while but is something that I am focused on now and that's beautiful and you do have a beautiful story now where can our listeners follow you and find you so they can find me at Romy Morsner Alchemy uh, on Facebook. I've got a page there. I've got Isla uh, Stone author on Facebook. Then I also have Instagram handles. I've got Romy Morsner Alchemy Instagram and Isla Stone author Instagram as well. Yes, and I will have all those in the show notes and I'll go ahead and... <laughs> have that links inside there for you so you don't have Thanks. to do that no worries yeah any uh final thoughts or anything else you would like to share with the audience who are actually going through pain right now who want to you know live a life of sobriety listen to your heart 
And I know that can be very difficult, but listening to your heart means just finding some silence and some quiet. Know that it's going to be okay. And I, when I say that, I mean, everything is always going to be okay. Even though it doesn't feel that way. Because even in death, everything's okay. And I don't want to make it final, but what I'm saying is living life is so hard that we think that the next thing is always going to be the worst thing. Mm -hmm. If it seems that way, if that makes sense, we worried about the worst possible outcomes, but know that you're capable of stopping, know that you're capable of getting yourself in a place where you can feel better about yourself and Always remember that your experiences, what people have done, the fact that you, someone might be drinking alcohol or drugs that you might be drinking or, or drugging, it's not a reflection of your value, right? So the thing that I carried with me the most is that everything that happened to me, I carried as a reflection of my value and thought that I was worthless because those things happened. Okay. Remember that those things are external. They're not, they have nothing to do with your value as a human being. Your value is so much more and something that you over a period of time will learn. You will learn more about your value, but you are valuable. There is so much worthiness in everyone, yeah. every single human being. Beautiful. I love that. Well, thank you so much for joining me on my show and we'll definitely be connecting. <laughs> One day, hopefully thank I get you. to meet you. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks. To my cherished listeners, from the very depths of my heart, thank you. Every single one of you who've showered me with those warm five-star reviews, your kindness shines so brightly. And if you haven't yet, know that your voice and support always matter. Your unwavering love has lifted us onto Feedspot's esteemed list of best women's sobriety podcasts. And it truly warms my heart. With immense love and care, I've created something for you as well. Introducing the Overcoming Challenges mini course, crafted especially with the intention to guide and support you through life's varied phases, because we all deserve gentle guidance as we navigate life's tides. Furthermore, I have two heartfelt gifts for our listener family. One is a seven-day challenge, a tender beginning for those curious about sobriety, and the other, a personal sharing from my journey, six-step blueprint to an alcohol-free life. This encapsulates the loving steps I took, I embraced beyond AA and the traditional 12 steps that have nurtured my own sobriety journey. To embrace these tokens of gratitude and love, simply text GIFT, that's G-I-F-T, to 1855-649-6196. Again, that's G-I-F-T at 1855-649-6196. With all my love and deepest gratitude, I cherish each and every one of you.